Beyond the Mic with Sean Dillon. We're joined on the BeyondTheMic.com star line by a musician who's opened up for Blake Shelton, Josh Turner, and many more. His song, Promise to Love Her, has been streamed over 50 million times. Welcome, Blaine Howard. Thank you so much for having me on. Let's go beyond the mic. Where were you born and where did you grow up? I was uh, I was actually born in southeast Kansas in a little small town called Fort Scott, about eight ten thousand 10,000 people. Um, and then I actually grew up in Hot Springs, Arkansas. We moved there when I was about two or three and spent my young years there and graduated high school there. And then when I graduated high school, moved off to Nashville and that's where I am now. Now, growing up, you enjoyed track and field, playing baseball, basketball, football. Now, how did you transition to going from athlete to musician? Uh, the love of music was, was always there. Um, I just never thought of it really as a career path until I got older. You know, like I said, like you said, I played all those sports in high school. I thought, you know, oh, maybe I'll be able to get a, a football scholarship or something like that and go off and play and kind of figure things out from there. But um, when I was a junior in high school, I just, uh, one day, I don't know what it was, I came home from football practice and told my mom, I think I want to sing and do music for a living. And so we kind of started researching that and sports kind of got put, not on the back burner, but kind of just set aside as the, the dream kind of changed. I did have a couple of Division II uh, football offers and I could have run track at the Division One level, but music was uh, just it was just something that I always wanted to do. When I was a little kid, I would stand in front of the TV with a classic guitar and sing along to Alan Jackson. So it was natural that I'd move to Nashville and try and become Alan Jackson. And so we started doing our research, and we found Belmont University in Nashville, Tennessee. And that's where I needed to go. Now, in track and field, what was your specialty? My specialty was kind of middle distance. 400 and 800 were my specialty. I did, 800 was the longest distance that I ran. If you put me at a mile, I'd be done after about two and a half laps. I was actually pretty good at them. Made all state my, I believe it was my junior year. And then we finished, my, one of our relay teams, we finished second um, in state and got to go to our meet of champs and finished fourth there. So we actually, uh, that was a pretty cool year for me. But yeah, the 400 and the 800 were kind of my specialties. And then I did run the, the 100 and the 200 as well. And I did some uh, some field events. But as I kind of got into my senior year, it was better for the team for me to just do the running. Now, Belmont is such a well-known university for musicians. Most people think when you go to Belmont, you're going to leave with a record deal. But it just isn't so. <laughs> nope. That's uh, that's kind of the, the you know sarcastic joke that when we all graduate, okay, where's my record deal? Because so many people have gone there and had so much success. I mean, you look at, uh, whether it's music or music business, Brad Paisley, Trisha Yearwood, Josh Turner. I graduated a year and a, or a year behind the guys from Florida Georgia Line. Um, Russell Dickerson was a friend of mine in school. Uh, he was a, a year or two behind me, I believe. So there's been a lot of success coming out of that university. So there's definitely, it's, it's, you'd be amazed if you just walked into one of the classrooms that were over there to hear some of the talent in that school. It's just incredible. When you're surrounded by so many talented people, how inspiring or frustrating is it that with the talent to the left and to the right of you in classes, is it just finding that right break? Absolutely. I think it's more about finding the right break because every just about every single person that goes to school there to be an artist or a guitar player or whatever it may be, they have enough talent to to be the famous person that you see out there. And, you know, a lot of those people end up maybe in the in the background or as a background singer or something like that. Um, and even though you do kind of get, there is some natural competition between the people. It's really, it's, you become family with these, with those people and you, you actually support each other more than compete with each other. 
Um, but yeah, it can be, it can be frustrating for sure. <laughs> Come on. You can tell me who was your biggest competition when you attended? Oh, I don't know. I don't know if there was ever really big, like real big competition. There were definitely people that you kind of looked up to. that were a year or two ahead of you or something like that. There was a guy named Ricky Brady who was a senior, I think um, the year I was a freshman and he was on American Idol and um, he was actually on the boys this past season as well. He's been, uh, he was pretty successful back then. So he was definitely someone that you kind of looked up to and thought, you know, that's kind of the, the direction that I need to be going. And obviously, you know, as you graduate, the guys from Florida Georgia Line took off pretty quickly, probably 2011, 2012. By the time um, I was getting out of school, they were having some success. So you could kind of say, say those guys. Okay, since we're talking about money, where was your first paid gig? Now, first paid gig meaning that we just like got paid as a as a band or a group or first gig that you actually, you know, you're not in the red. There's definitely, you know, you can get paid 500 bucks to go play somewhere, but, you know, by the time you pay for gas and band members and, you know, you drive 10 hours and pull a trailer and all that stuff, you, you end up in the hole pretty quick. Okay. What was your first gig where someone said, here's five bucks sing? <laughs> Uh, we did a, I did a couple of those in college where, you know, you get together with some friends at, you know, a, a hotel if they were doing some type of uh, convention or something like that. Or, you know, there was some type of event going on at a, a bar and you might make, you know, when you're in college, if you make 50 bucks, like, oh, man, I can, you know, I can buy beer for the weekend or whatever. So those, there were plenty of those. There was probably... I mean, a couple of hotels in Nashville. I think we did. Uh, we had a big night with me and some of my friends that were in school with me at Twelfth uh, and Porter here in Nashville too. So that may have been one of them. And then, for, as far as like uh, actually making money, probably there's a play. There's a place down in Texas that we've we've uh, become pretty successful at. We've got a great fan base down there in the Dallas area. Um, a place called Love and War in Texas. It's in Plano there. They've all the Texas acts come through there. And that's probably one of our biggest draws down there. And we've had some really successful nights. Who have you looked to for mentorship and who has mentored you? I had some great professors in college that kind of mentored me after school. And then as I kind of progressed in my career, I had a great uh, mentor in Paul Moore who used to, um, he used to run the William Morris office here in Nashville. He retired a few years back. He was a great mentor to me, kind of as I was getting this song going, I promised to love her and getting management started and all that stuff. And then I've had great mentorship from my two managers that I've been working with for about two years now, Neil Spielberg and Bernie Kilpatrick. They've been wonderful in not only kind of guiding me through the music industry, but there's a lot that I knew just from experience, but they've kind of shown me the ropes on the kind of next level um, of things and how not only to you know, get out there and network, but how to, you know, make sure that, you know, certain things and how to, how to kind of do it the right way. We're joined on the beyondthemic.com star line by an artist who's opened up for many acts that you know about. His song, Promise the Lover, has been streamed over 50 million times, Blaine Howard. Now, as your career has grown, two things are certain. You love your wife and you love football <laughs> so much. That is, those are two absolute true things. Absolutely. Yeah. So when the fall comes and the Razorbacks and the Chiefs are playing, <laughs> does your wife get bored or does football excite her? It's usually a, okay, it's Saturday, football starting. I'm, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to, you're going to be off in your own little world. Even if she's in the room, I kind of get zoned in. 
Um, she grew up kind of, you know, watching football with her family and, you know, going to the high school football games, but she's, she's not into it like I am. I played so many sports in high school and, you know, like I said, could have played some in college. So I have a, I, not to say that I, I know more, but I like to think, you know, the kind of armchair quarterback, like I, I know what the better decision would be, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I definitely get a little intense on, on Saturdays and Sundays when the Hogs Chiefs are playing. Change is hard for me. It's hard for all people. But recently, you've changed from a house you've grown up to to a new house where you're going to welcome your new daughter. How's that change affected you? It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's been surreal. Um, that house, I, like I said, I, I started living in that house when I was in college still. Been there 11 years. I graduated college and I did all those things. I met my wife. I got married. We were in that house. And you think you, you know, you think that that's like, kind of like that when I think of my life other than high school, like all my memories and all my stuff is in that house. But um, moving to this new house and getting ready for the baby, I I thought that I would miss that house more, but I haven't one bit because it's I'm just so excited to start this next chapter in my life with uh, my wife and I uh, welcoming our baby here in about four weeks, actually. And then uh, you know, hopefully more children down the road. So it's, it's been life-changing for sure. We're really excited about it, but it's been really cool. But I haven't really thought about it much. I'm actually, it's kind of cool that you brought that up because I haven't missed that house at all because I'm just so excited to get this new chapter started. 2020 is going to be a great year. Your hit promised lover is a wedding smash. Now, how did it all come together? So back in, let's see, 20, my wife and I got married in 2016. Um, and so as I was kind of, after I'd already proposed and we were planning on planning for the wedding, I got with a friend of mine and wrote, uh, had this idea for the song and started to write it. And as it came out, you could just, I could tell that this was something that was going to be special to me. And so I got to, uh, nobody really knew it even existed other than, uh, me and the guy I wrote it with. So when the wedding came around, uh, the morning of the wedding, I got to surprise my wife and her family with it and woke up to text messages, just saying how much they love the song and all these things. And my wife said, can we please use this as our first dance? So, um, not only did we get, I get to surprise them, but we got to surprise our entire reception with a brand new song that I'd written, especially for her for that day. Um, and it was just incredible and it's been incredible to watch it take off. I've, it's, this song has been used in hundreds of weddings across the country already. It's taken me from Monterey, California, to St. Augustine, Florida, to Long Island, New York, and everywhere in between. It's just been incredible to see how, how many people out there this song has touched and see other people using it in their wedding days as well. You got to answer this one. How is it going to feel for you in the future when Promised Love Her is played at your daughter's wedding? Oh my gosh. I. <laughs> I don't even want to think about that because I'm probably going to be a, a puddle of tears, whether it's my song or not. So, oh my gosh, if that if that were to be played at my daughter's wedding, I would I would probably be an emotional wreck, which I'm probably going to be an emotional wreck anyway. Now, as a dad, when my daughter was born, first time I held her, I said, "I'm going to love you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to do anything for you." As a musician, as a musician. Have you thought about writing a song for your daughter yet? Um, yeah, there have been a few ideas that can that have come in. I had one that I actually wrote kind of during the process as we were we first found out that we were that we were expecting a baby. Um, and I wrote it more just as a 
a cathartic thing because I had so many emotions and I just kind of wrote it in order to get those emotions off my chest a little bit. And I don't think it's, you know, I don't really think that it's that great of a song or anything like that, but it's, it, and I, I don't, it may not even be finished, but it's just one of those things that it was so, it felt so good to kind of write it all out and get that emotion of the song out a little bit, which helped me kind of mentally prepare for the whole situation. And there's definitely been some other ideas pop in and I'm sure I'm going to get in some songwriting sessions, especially once I, you know, there's, you have these feelings that you, you know, you already love this baby so much, but I'm sure that as soon as she's born and we get settled, it's like the emotions are going to be, you know, 10 times that. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot more coming into my head as that, as that time progresses. What about a name? Got one yet? We have actually, um, we're not, uh, we're not announcing it publicly yet, but yes, we have picked the name. Uh, we have a few things kind of monogrammed and things like that. Um, but yes, we have picked the name. That was a, that was a really interesting process. It was funny before we knew, before we knew if it was going to be a boy or girl, um, we had kind of a list of names going for either one. And, um, I think we were actually doing better on the boy names than the girl names for a while. But when we finally settled on it, it just felt right. Had you had a boy or the boy choices so we can expect it for the second child. So, uh, everybody, all the boys in my family have, uh, names that start with B. My dad's name is Barry. My name is Blaine. My brother's name is Bryce, and then I have two cousins named Brenton and Brock. So definitely had to uh, had to keep the B theme going. So we had uh, let's see, I think there was obviously um, with uh, Blaine. We I don't I'm not a huge fan of the. I just didn't want to name my son Blaine or anything like that. But there's still a middle name possibility there. But Barry is not a name that's common, so that's a possibility. But the big names, I think, were Beckett and Beckham, and then there were a few others in there as well. A year ago, you were visiting Italy. Yeah. Now watching Italy struggle with the coronavirus, how do you feel? It's weird because, you, I mean, I just I absolutely love that trip, and I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, everything clears up and tourism over there gets back to where it was because everybody should be able to experience the same thing that I did because I just, it was amazing to get to go over there and not only see all the history, but the food's incredible. The people are incredible. The culture and the way everything works over there is just, um, it's so cool to see. And I hope that as this kind of, uh, as this virus kind of slows down, that the tourism is able to pick back up because they've got so much history over there and they, they put so much emphasis on, you know, the grandparents and how things are, you know, how not only honoring them, but honoring their traditions and the way they cook and the way they live. And a lot of them still, you know, they go to their grandparents on Sunday to have lunch and the grandmother's been cooking all weekend. So um, I know that the virus affects um, the elderly, obviously, in a lot, in a higher, a lot higher percentage than the younger crowd. So I'm hoping that, you know, they don't have too many issues from that and they're able to continue those traditions. Um, it's an incredible country. And like I said, it's just, it's terrible to, to watch it happen. Um, obviously they're shutting stuff down all over this country too. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of surreal. And I'm actually, I'm glad we went when we did, um, because, you know, we got to do everything that we wanted to do and didn't have to rush through or anything like that. One thing that I always like to ask on beyond the mic is, those road stories. Musicians always have great road stories. Things breaking, practical jokes. Give me your best one. Oh man. I had somebody ask me this the other a couple of weeks ago and I kind of struggled for a bit. Man. We had a really good time um 
this is this is more of a it's not necessarily a funny one, but it's just it's one that stands out to me because it was just such a fun day. Um, I opened for Hunter Hayes a couple of years ago, and after the show, you know, normally like during sound check, the headliner is back at their bus or back in catering, eating or something like that. And because they have such a busy day and then they've got to do meet and greet right after that, that it's hard. You don't see a lot of headliners hanging out backstage a lot. So we were sound checking and Hunter and his entire team were side stage watching our sound check, which was not only cool to see, but it showed us, it showed respect to us as the opener. And then when we were done, they came over and talked to us and they're, extremely professional in every way and it was just that alone was just great to see but when the show ended um we all actually hung out with their entire crew backstage after every show they get out they will pull out a craps uh felt and play craps as a band and a crew and just play for a couple hours as the you know as everything gets packed up and the bus gets going so um they invited us back to hang out with them we were you know, we hadn't eaten since our show was earlier. Our set was earlier in the night. We didn't get to eat dinner. So we were about to run off and go get food because we were starving. And they just immediately said, y'all don't need to go anywhere. Come back here, hang out with us. We've got beer in the cooler, have some pizza with us, you know. So we hung out with them for about three hours after the show, just as, you know, as friends. It was It was no networking. It was no, you know. I can do this. I can do that. This is who I know in town. It was just a big group of musicians hanging out, you know, playing craps for fun, eating pizza, drinking beer, and just kind of telling stories. And that was, that's one of my coolest experiences so far. We're joined on the beyond the mic.com star line by an artist who's opened up for Blake Shelton, Josh Turner, and many more. His song promise to love her is in rotation on CMT. Now talk to us about your new project. When can we expect it? I've got new music coming out very soon, actually. I just got the final mixes done on Tuesday. Actually, on Friday, excuse me. Last Friday. So we are currently, you know, starting to work on artwork and things like that. They're being mastered. Um, and the band is, uh, the band's starting to get the tracks. Actually, they're getting them today. So it will be out very soon. Obviously, we're going to um, wait and make sure that we have some shows to kind of promote it with as well. And once this, uh, the coronavirus kind of slows down, but, um, we'd, uh, yeah, very, very soon here. I'm excited because it's been, it's been my first full project since 2015. Promise to Love Her was out in between there and it's been an incredible ride with that, but it's nice to have a full project going and, uh, six brand new songs for people to listen to. Do you have a name for it yet? No, no name for the, uh, no name for the album yet or for the, for the project yet. But I think if you've been to some of our live shows, you may have heard us play a few of them. Um, so uh, there's a song, uh, there's the Happy Song, Stop Saying Graffiti, and then Rock on Her Window are kind of some of the newer ones that are on there. So if you've heard those at our live shows or if you've seen me, seen videos of me playing them on my Facebook page or Facebook Live or something like that, you can look forward to hearing um, full production versions of those coming very soon. Time's running out, so it's time for the Rocking Eight. It's the first thing that comes to your mind. No pressure. All righty. <laughs> Don't worry, no one's really ready for the Rocky Nate. They're just eight random questions. <laughs> Favorite thing to cook? Steak. Gotta be more specific. What kind of steak? Ooh, usually it's a Kansas City strip. Finish this sentence. My best round of golf I shot? 72. How many birdies? Three birdies, three bogeys. Gotta be mad about those bogeys. Yes, man. I was two under through seven, and I bogeyed eight and nine. I was one under through 17, and bogeyed 18. So. <laughs> you share your birth date with him, and I know you love him. So I gotta ask. 
What's your favorite Johnny Cash song? Um, you know, the the emotional answer that it would be to say Folsom Prison Blues because my grandmother's been singing me that song since I was a kid, but that's also kind of one of the most popular ones. Um, other than that, probably one piece at a time. Finish the sentence. The TV show I'm obsessed with now is... Outlander from Stars. It's incredible. What's one thing people don't know about you? Hmm. Usually it's the fact that... Um, that I was an athlete in high school and uh, could have played college football or ran college track. But uh, we already spoke about that in the interview. So let's see, what else? Um, I'm a huge nerd. Like I love, I love um, like Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and all that type stuff. So being from the South, you know Whataburger. What's your typical order at Whataburger? Hmm, usually the double cheeseburger plain um, with, fries, a large Coke, and possibly a chocolate shake. You're a huge football fan. You got to play fantasy football. Oh, yes. So since you do, your most successful fantasy football strategy is what? Championships are won with the waiver, with waivers. So you got to be every single week, you've got to be on the waiver line trying to look for someone to pick up. What's the last thing you told your mama? Yeah, I spoke to her yesterday. I told her I love her. I know that. can't remember what I was talking to her about. She had a question about something. Oh, I told her, <laughs> I know what it was. I told her, I told her, we just bought our house. Um, it came with a washer and dryer. And I told her I sold it. <laughs> Blaine, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me online at BlaineHoward.com, B-L-A-N-E, Howard.com. Uh, or if you're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, it's just at Blaine Howard. And you can find all my music online as well. He loves to cook KC strips, obsessed with Outlander, and thinks you can win your fantasy football championship if you win the waiver wire. Country artist and friend of Beyond the Mic, Blaine Howard, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. And that, my friends, is Beyond the Mic.